You are listening to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. Here are your hosts, Trevor Mueller and Jake Grant. Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven Channel. My name is Trevor Mueller. He's Jake Grant, and we're like Sam and Dean. Sam and Dean? Yeah. <sighs> is it entertainment or sports? It's entertainment. Oh. And it's something I got super into. And there's going to be listeners who are listening to this that are like, oh, my God, he mentioned Sam and Dean. And then there's going to be people like you who have no clue what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it's a show. Pretty much. So we're doing a bunch of episodes today. And they're all going to be the things that I've watched from the spring and summer. Uh, so <laughs> this is a show. <laughs> this is a show. And this is a commercial for the show. It's called Supernatural. Never seen it. Dude, it started back in like 2005. Supernatural? Like the one with the two guys where they're running around and killing ghosts fighting oh, satan and oh god and stuff it's fantastic yeah i watched all 15 years in about six months it's it's worth the watch so they're brothers and they fight ghosts sure um so uh go watch one they're on netflix tell me what you think sounds so fun um so hey reunited how does it, it feel what have so you been good. up to and it feels so good. It feels so good. What have you been up to? Uh, a lot of racing. Yeah. Um, been so busy with the family, house, but mostly just a lot of racing. Been uh, trying to chase down that championship. Haven't had a whole lot of success this year. So uh, feels like uh, based on your your uh, Facebook post, there's been a lot of dumps. Yeah. There's been a lot of accidents, uh, some my fault, mostly not, but uh, we don't need to get into that. This is a football <laughs> podcast, not a racing podcast. Let's get into it, huh? Let's do it. It's finally here. Last year, we only got a few episodes of us on because, you know, we had no clue what this season was going to look like. Right. Um, and this year, we're recharged. We're having a regular off-season a regular season and with that well as we're getting into it um as we're starting the show back up for season four um i I, you know we're gonna have our stuff on youtube we'd love for you to go subscribe to that and then of course to help keep growing the show it's grown exponentially every year but we want to keep that going get more husky fans get more interaction with you guys uh is make sure you go on to apple podcast give us five stars you can write whatever you want in the uh, in the comment. Uh, we, we can do like the, the podcast of champions and, and read it out loud if you guys really want us to. But uh, just, you know, we want to grow this community. We're all uh, passionate Husky fans. This is a different form than some of the other podcasts and uh, uh, maybe a little bit more of a, a Homer colored glasses, at least from my angle. Um, but let's get into it. There's a lot to be excited about for this program, Jake. And um, before we really get into the meat of it, um, what do you think about everything going on in college football, especially let's start with the conference realignment. I know you like Texas, so this impacts you. Yeah. Uh, I've always been a fan of Texas, not obviously to the scale that I've been a Washington fan. You know, Washington is my number one always has been, always will be. Texas is a 
far back to. Right. Um, they've been struggling to put a good, consistent program together, and I don't think the SEC is what's going to fix that for them. Um, we saw what happened to Texas A&M when they joined the SEC. They're a decent program. They're never going to be Alabama or Georgia even. Um, and I'm, I'm afraid that Texas is going to get lost in the kind of the recruiting aspect of the SEC. They can't, you know, I, I think bad decisions have been made from up above. I think bad coaching decision. Uh, we know all too well about that coaching carousel that Texas is about to go through. Um, the SEC is looking to dominate. And with the addition of them and Oklahoma, I believe, um, it looks like they're going to be really good for a really long time. It's wild. Um, I, I get, I understand it and I hate it. I mean, yeah, it's a it, power. Yeah. The reason why there's, we're talking PAC 12 football and not PAC 16 football right now is that, uh, they wanted to bring their Longhorn network to, to the PAC 12 and, and that's not going to happen. And, um, they're going into the sec as equals. So, uh, not only is it going to be hard to do what they've been doing where they've dominated really the nation when it comes to revenue, um, they're, they're now just, uh, they're not, they're another program at the, at the table in the sec. And I don't love what that does to the sec, having a lot of the premier brands out there. Um, plus the power of ESPN out there. I, I don't, I, I don't love it at all. Um, I understand it. I do like, did you see the, uh, the video of that Texas lawmaker talking to one of the admins at Texas and she goes, you know, how much money you make? He's like, uh, you know, some of the best and most in the nation. She goes all that without putting a winning team on the field, huh? <laughs> and, and she's like, and he's like, well, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're building. And she's like three and seven against the foreign frogs. And, <laughs> oh. and then she goes, so what you're telling me is Texas would rather go lose to Alabama to the TCU. And that's the end of the video. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. That's yeah. a salty I mean, Texas. She kind of got him on that. She got him super bad. So uh, yeah, but, I mean, but I mean, if you look at the SEC team wise national brand wise they really have a lock on the greatest names in college football i the only thing they're missing is notre dame right they have notre dame usc and um osu ohio state yeah but they have florida they have georgia they have alabama they have texas now oklahoma texas a&m i mean you're looking at all of the greatest brands in football right in the last 20 years how many national championships is that that they just secured? Yeah, most of them. Oh, pff, almost yeah. all of them. Minus yeah, USC's got a couple. USC and an Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah. You know? Right, and it's and and, and it's kind of crazy. Like you think of the USC brand, and you're like, well, Washington brand is probably is a bigger brand right now. Oregon is a bigger brand right now. But it really doesn't matter when it comes to the revenue that those generate. USC will always be the biggest brand there is yeah. on the West Coast. And honestly, followed by UCLA, just because of where they are. Um, so, uh, you know, the Pac-12 and the other conferences um, recently just put out their own uh, kind of 
conference realignment without realigning with the uh, with the alliance between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the SEC. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no contract in it, uh, but the the goal is to really fuse these groups to play a lot of um, cross uh, cross um, conference games. That's going to raise those three to be able to um, kind of compete with the SEC because before Oklahoma and Texas joins, they're also going to have. Uh, they, we're already talking about having two SEC teams in the playoff, anyways. So now you're talking three, and then between the other conferences, one. That's just not going to work. Yeah, and I don't see that happening just because uh, they're going to eventually take each other out, right? The SEC. You'd hope so, but but then it's going to be the same thing the SEC always does is, well, of course we're going to lose in the SEC because it's a better – look at who we're playing week in and week out. And sure, but, it. you know, you could say that until you're blue in the face, but if your record is 500, you can't cry, right. you know, about being in the SEC because they, you're the one that decided, you know, if Texas goes and they're, you know, uh, six and six, they can't cry, oh, well, we're in the SEC. You still got to win games. I agree. Uh, what's going to hurt is when you have a one-loss Washington team and there's a two- or three-loss Oklahoma team. Right. And yeah. we'll look who we lost to. We lost to Alabama, LSU, who are both in the playoff, and then, like, a really good Florida team. I, I, I think uh, what the Pac-12 and the other conferences that are doing the realignment thing is going to really help – if you're Ohio State, if you're the upper echelon. You're the teams that go out and you win those games, right. right? You, If Washington goes out and beats Michigan and then Clemson and then loses one uh, Pac-12 game, you're going to put Washington in the college football playoff. Absolutely. Because, because they beat the ACC top feeder and a Big Ten, you know, uh, top four program, you know, so – I think that's going to help. Um, it's definitely going to make their schedule a lot harder, and you're going to have to be a really spectacular team to have a chance at. You know, the Washington team that made the playoff years back, they didn't have that that preseason uh, Michigan or Clemson or uh, Penn State or anything like that. So it's going to make your your year a lot harder. And, and well, that's what made that USC loss so scary on selection uh, selection Sunday when it was okay. It was they only one only one loss, but, yeah, it was one of their only tough games. Mm-hmm. You know, really, right? So, uh, you know, it's scary because you could lose a lot more games in a year, but it's also exciting because you have the possibility of good teams in the Pac-12 making a splash. Yeah, but how much more fun? I mean, we're later this week. We're going to be previewing the Montana game. What's more fun to watch? Michigan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Even, even if they lose, it's a way more fun week. Even Purdue. Mm-hmm. I'd rather play Indiana. I all of those, all of those teams. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really excited, and I hope that these guys trust each other too honor the alliance without having to go on a contract because there's some legalese that if they go on a contract, it would be a little bit different. What what I don't want to see is Washington schedule Rutgers every year. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. let's, let's, let's make this exciting. Uh, yeah. I don't want to see Ohio state play 
Colorado. Right. I, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want top feeders versus top feeders. Totally agree. Um, let's shift our focus now to this 2021 Washington team and uh, kind of some news around it. I want to save, I'll, after we go through this, I want to talk about recruiting a little bit because I've been annoyed with a lot of things that I've been seeing. Um, but I want to start off with just talking about this team overall. Um, we talked, uh, you know, Will Law too has left the team due to uh, personal reasons. Cornerback James Smith left due to personal reasons. Um, and then we uh, Will Law, I'm not, I'm sorry, Leitu Law too uh, medically retired. However, he's been at um, practice. And so he's still, you know, uh, around the team, which is good. But um, I mean, Obviously, losing Leitu Latu, he looked like an NFL prospect. That one hurts. Uh, what are your thoughts on the guys that have uh, had to leave the program? Yeah, we, you and me, kind of talked about this previous to the podcast. You're you're missing Leitu Latu a lot. I'm missing Will Latu a little bit just because yeah. I like his size. I like his strength. Um, I think he could have been a, a pretty decent player. I don't think he was going to be a starter this year. I think he could have gotten some time and, and had some uh, meaningful uh, snaps, but um, it always sucks losing guys to, to not just injuries, but to personal reasons as well. You never know. Right. Um, we've lost guys to personal reasons before and it ended up being because they just wanted to go somewhere else. Right. Um, that's kind of the scary part about college football right now is it's really easy to skip out on a prem if you're not getting your way. Um, I don't know if that's the case with Will Latu or James Smith, um, but it's happened before, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again. Yeah, and and we don't know why those two left, and and Jimmy Lake does a good job of always leaving the door open um, to to the future, and and you know really, <laughs> there's no future to comment on because we have no idea what's going on. Right. Um, uh, that does make the linebacker uh, spot a little less um, uh, a little thinner, which you know, with some of the injuries, has has made that spot a little less. But there's still a lot there, and we're gonna get into that. Um, uh, obviously, the big injury to ZTF has been um, well documented, but he's way ahead of schedule and. And the good news for us is it sounds like he's going to be able to be on the field uh, in, sometime in the regular season. Yeah, that'll be nice. I, I, I wouldn't hold my season hopes on ZTF. No. Uh, but he is a nice player, and getting him back will obviously help a, a lot, substantially. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, the other one that uh, posted that he had surgery was Jalen McMillan, and he's been in – it's a it's a hand injury, so who knows how long that's going to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's get into the guys who are here because there's some, uh, there's some real excitement around this team, and uh, I got some bones to pick with people who, who do color, cover the Pac-12 that really aren't uh, seeing what I'm seeing when it comes to this Washington offense. And we're going to start there. Uh, we're going to talk about the position, the depth, and, and obviously who's going to be the starter. And the first one is probably the easiest because Jimmy like named the starter already a long time ago, and that's quarterback. And uh, obviously it's Dylan Morris. And 
I will forever think that you are some sort of God when it comes to picking that because uh, you might have been the first person uh, around the program to, as soon as Jake Browning left, you were talking about Dylan Morris. And, uh, you know, what are your overall thoughts on him right now, how he did last year and, and where you see him going? Last year was tough because I saw a lot of handcuffs on him. Uh-huh. You know, he, it seemed like they, they didn't take the handcuffs off until they were down by 20 at halftime. Right. Uh, you know, that happened twice. Um, obviously, Jimmy Lake wants to run the damn ball, and that's okay. You know, I, I love running the ball. Uh, mm. But you can't let your team get down by that much. There's a balance in football that I think needs to be pursued. And I don't think that Dylan Morris had that ability last year. Moving forward, I've heard Dylan Morris has progressed exponentially this year. Um, I Do I expect him to be given a little longer leash at the start of games this year? Yeah, I do. Um, you You have to. You have to let Dylan Morris lead this football team. It's the quarterback's job. You got to let him throw the, the football downfield early, give the kid a chance, and let him win you some games. And I think that's going to happen. Yeah, and this isn't a COVID shortened year. This is a regular year, and this is the year that the coaching staff has said should be a special year. So if you're having a special year, you're not handcuffing your quarterbacks. In Jake right. Browning's first year, the handcuffs were on. The reality was that the the conference was – or the, the North was a long shot. And they played it accordingly for going forward, 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, The other thing that I would have to say about that is if they keep the handcuffs on him, why are you not starting Sam Heward then? Right. Because if if you're comfortable with the guy, you're going to go with the one with the higher upside. And it's it's obvious who has the higher upside. But if you're in a win-now situation, which we both think Washington should be, you have to go and let him be the quarterback he is. Yep. Um, other than that, I think, you I mean, those are the two Patrick O'Brien's there as well, but it sounds like Sam Heward has really, uh, since the second um, scrimmage has really started, the game has slowed down for him and he started making better decisions. Um, and the, I, we all know where the talent is there. So he's going to figure it out. That kid. Sure. He's going to be special. We all know it. Right. It's just when we get it. Yeah, patience, absolutely. Patience with him is going to be key. You know, don't expect, you know, he's not, he's not Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't need to come out and start right away. And, you know, the longer he can sit and learn, the better it's going to be for him. Yeah. And, and it, your hope is you don't have to see him this year because Dylan Morris is healthy and he's effective. Playing really good. Yeah. Right. Now the next one, well, actually let's go to running back first. Uh, there's a ton of players in that running back room who are really, really good. Um, there are some guys that we've, uh, we've seen their ceiling and then there's guys where the, and most of the, the stable, to be honest with you is we haven't seen how good they actually can be. So, you know, when I rank, what guys that we've seen their ceiling for sure. It's Kamari Pleasant. It's Sean McGrew. We know what they are. Sean McGrew is a guy who plays a little bit bigger than what he is. He's shifty. 
Uh, and then Kamari Pleasant is is solid and yeah, he's the really opposite. good. I think I think the opposite, where he plays a little bit smaller than he is. Yeah, but he's really good in pass protection, and that's that's hard to take off the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. He made. I mean, he won honestly. Like without his Kamari Pleasant's catch out of the backfield and spin for the first down, Washington probably loses the Utah game. Um, but then behind him, man, there are some guys that we really don't know how good they can be. And that starts obviously with Richard Newton, um, Cam Davis. Yes. Uh, and then the guys that we haven't seen almost at all after that. And yeah. that would be um, Sam Adams, yep. um, Caleb Berry, and Jadavion Sunday. That is a loaded running that's back a, room. It's a lot of running backs. Yeah. What do you think? That's a, it's a lot of talent. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've been shy about my not distaste for Kamari Pleasant, but uh-huh. my, my lack of um, faith in his ability to be a number one running back. Right. I think his ceiling is you, – you mentioned a ceiling. I think it's a lot lower than a lot of other guys. Yeah. I, the ceiling's lower than Sean McGrews. I think his I, – I, I really like um, Jadeveon Sunday – Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Cam Davis, I think he had some touches last year and he looked okay. I'd like to get him a lot more. I think he's right. probably the next guy in line. I think Richard Newton is kind of a, in my opinion, I think he looks more like a, a goal down back. Um, he's your, he's your powerhouse. He's the guy that's going to run through the middle and catch it and get your touchdowns. Um, I think Cam Davis looks like a complete back uh, and I, and I'm excited to see him get some more touches this year. And I think he will. I, I truly do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that I, I don't, with a guy with the body, like, uh, um, like Sunday. Richard Newton, yeah. uh, I'd love to see like him become more complete, like a LeVon Coleman who was big and could bruise but also could get outside and, and LeVon Coleman could outrun people. That's a tall order though, Trev. I mean, it really is. LeVon Coleman, we didn't know what we had with LeVon Coleman when he was here. You know, we were, we were kind of spoiled by some Miles Gaskins and, you know, he kind of just quietly did his job, but it, he did it really, really well. I mean, he ended up in the NFL. I mean, yeah, you don't end up in the NFL. Perfect complimentary back to, yeah. to Miles. Yeah, so and, and I'm with you. I agree with all of that. I think that's how it's gonna uh, play out, um, because it, as long as Cam Davis can learn how to pass protect, um, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity there. Um, it, it's gonna be hard for Bell and Sunday to see the field. Um, they're they're both kind of, in my opinion, they're both kind of big bruiser backs. And who is it that already got hurt once? Was it Sunday that got hurt? Oh, um, uh, uh, the the kid from Lufkin. He had a, he had a shoulder Caleb thing Barry. in high school. Yeah, Caleb Berry had a had an injury, a couple of injuries in high school. Yeah, so you're gonna you're not gonna see. I don't think you're gonna see him at all this year. I think they're gonna take him slowly. And, and make sure that he's going to, you know, he needs to last. Well, yeah, um, I mean, and, and he's only a true freshman. He just got here. Um, 
I would be shocked to see him. Um, and I honestly, I would be shocked to see Adams as well. Uh, I, everything I've heard is he's putting it together. Um, but he's gonna, I think you're going to see him catch a lot of balls. Well, Sean McGrew, him and Sean McGrew are very similar in their skill set. Yeah. I think that um, Adams has a higher ceiling than Sean McGrew does. But I agree. As of right now, when you're in win now mode, you're going to take the guy that's a little bit better. Um, if this was 2015, you're going to see Sam Adams instead. Um, so that, that's kind of, I, I think that's solid. I think overall, and I think you'd agree with this, that the running back position is a strength. Yes, very much. So the, the next one, man, <laughs> I'm high on it. The rest of the world, maybe not so much. And, and there's reason for that because, and even Jimmy Lake said it, that, uh, the wide receiver position has held them back in big games in the past. Um, I think that's where this is where you're going to see the receiver position become um, more of a strength. Okay. So uh, obviously losing Jalen McMillan is, is tough, but um, Terrell Bynum is a, a bona fide, I think, number one receiver that most people need. And, and when I mean number one, I don't actually mean number one receiver because we know who the number one receiver is on this team. Um, and that's Kate Otten. Yeah. But when it comes to the outside, a guy that knows how to get open, he should be a senior, but he's listed as a junior because of the COVID year that he is going to be um, the guy that Dylan Morris looks for on the outside. What are your thoughts overall on the receiver position? Yeah, you know, losing Ty Jones at the start of the year wasn't phenomenal, but I don't think it hurt as bad as like losing Puka, Puka losing Puka hurt. Um, it, and I think what hurt about losing those guys is losing the depth that we had at the wide receiver position. Right. Um, but the good thing about that is, is we had young, hungry guys. You know, Roma Dunze, uh, he's obviously been very hungry his entire career. And I think he's ready to take that next step that we all thought Puka was going to take last year. Um, losing Jalen really, really hurt because I think that three-headed monster with Bynum, Adunze, and Jalen would have been really spectacular. Um how long is Jalen out for? Do you know the answer to they that? They don't know. And, and there's really been no speculation on it. And, and Lake gets really annoyed when people ask him about uh, injuries. Yeah. Um, he's more open than Peterson, but he's, he's still, he doesn't like people doing that. Um, I think there's a, so it, it could be the entire season. It could be a couple of weeks. I'm not sure, but um, I think the, the depth that has been made underneath uh, those top three, because the top three are, are pretty set in stone. Yeah. Um, but I, Taj Davis has had a very, very good camp. Yeah. Um, Sawyer Racanelli is another one who's been um, highlighted quite a bit as a guy that can go up and get them 50-50 balls. So um, I, think, I think... I think what really helped, sorry, is the transfers coming in as well. Uh, Giles Jackson, uh uh, Jalen Polk, I think yes. Jalen Polk from Oklahoma, I believe Texas Tech, Texas Tech. That's right. Oklahoma is the cornerback. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to really help the depth and the ability. To, we got a guy that can take them over the top. I, it just 
that really helps with the depth on this team. And, and, and I think without those two coming in, I think we would have been in a lot worse shape than we are now. Yeah. Jalen Polk, he's one of those guys that's going to consistently get open down the field. And that's really kind of my point there is that um, he's going to be a guy that we haven't, that Washington hasn't had in a while. Uh, Giles Jackson, not only is going to be a guy who's, who's insanely fast, uh, and gets open really well, has for his size, has a really good catch radius, but also he's going to be a threat in the kicking game. Yeah. Yes. So I think that this receiving room uh, outside of the program, and, and I don't fault people necessarily being down on the receiving room because honestly, there's been nothing to talk about outside of a couple of Puka Nakua plays for the last few years. Um that uh, even people that follow the Pac-12 aren't super excited about it yet because you really have to show. Uh, and and honestly, the, the Washington uh, advertising uh, hype train is, is not where some other schools who probably are equal or lesser um, have a, a better PR campaign, really. Um, and we'll talk about those uh, in our pregame, in our... Uh, preview show but uh, I think they're flying a little bit under the radar here Um, offensive line I don't know how much we have to talk about that because man oh man is it impressive Um, they're big they're big they're good and they're really athletic they have a a first round pick at the left side Um, I mean there's one competition there where Julius Buelo is um, seeing some first team reps but other than that man that if you're upgrading experience for talent like that, that means that, uh, I mean, the offensive line should be by far the best in the conference and it should be the best in, uh, it could be one of the best in the nation. Yeah. Which is, I mean, what every football team hopes for. Oh yeah. You, you know, you, you want to protect your quarterback. You want to be able to run the ball. You want those things for your offense. That's what scores you points. Um, we just watched Oregon do that for but six years in a row. Right. And now it's our turn and, and we're going to take advantage of it. Absolutely. And I don't really know what else to say about them because um, as long as the, the, the only thing that'll hurt them is if they're predictable um, because if they're mixing up the run game and the pass game, well, keeping people not knowing what's coming, it should be just, an, uh, just, uh, I mean, one of the, things you could just put in is that that's the reason why Washington's offense will be better. Yes, correct. Then of course we have the tight end position, um, probably the strongest position um, in, (laughs) in the conference. Uh, We have one of the Washington has one of the best tight ends in the nation in Kate Otten. Uh, It's a shock that he came back and that's really to, the culture of, yeah, thank God, uh, the culture of Jimmy Lake and this coaching staff. Um, but behind them, there's, there's other players that, you know, I, I'm really hoping this is the year Devin Colt puts it together. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to Quentin Moore myself. Yeah. Uh, Mark Redmond. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a hard time not bouncing forward two or three years until we get the next cotton. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I mean, this tight end room is going to be special for a long, long time. Uh, this year is, I think, 
maybe going to be the best tight end year we've ever had at the University of Washington. Yeah, it's a bold statement, but I don't know if you're wrong. I mean, who who else do you put in front of Jeremy Stevens, maybe? Um, Ernie Conwell? You know, I I don't know. I, I, I think Kate Otten might be the best tight end, all around tight end that we've ever seen at the University of Washington. You could convince me of that pretty easily. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's uh, – yeah, I don't think it'd be a hard argument to make. Mm-hmm. And then along with the tight ends, the two, two that are listed there that are actually more like H-back, fullback kind of players would be J- uh, Jack Westover and Caden Jumper, yeah. who are um, just like – they're wrecking balls yeah. of uh, that can catch the ball. I mean um, – it, that's going to be Jack, Jack Westover this year, Caden Jumper, again, looking forward. Uh, he's a perfect fit for what Washington wants to do when they they want to be able to go jumbo. He's going to be a guy that's going to be able to do that and also leak out and catch a pass. Yeah. Um, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball, huh? Yes. We this And this is where I've also seen – some pushback due to the COVID shortened season where, you know, the last memory that most Husky fans and most of the nation have of them is getting pushed around by Stanford. Yeah. And it's, it's fair to talk about that. It's also fair to talk about how poor they played against um, Utah in the first half. But when you start looking at the most important part of uh, any team is the trenches, right? Yeah. Uh, And losing Levi on losing Joe Tryon, and then having uh, Tule Latua Gasanoa be hurt for most of the season, along with losing Ryan Bowen, there you're looking at a second unit. Yeah. So having a healthy Tule, I think, is going to be one of the most important things for the bounce back of this Washington defense because that then puts Tule – and Sam Taimani together on the field. Yeah. And uh, God, that's just a really impressive uh, front two. And then you have Fatu Tuatele, who's also played well. And then we're still w- waiting for uh, Nola, Nola, Noah Nagalu and Jacob Bandis to uh, develop into the, you know, the high-end prospects that they were. Yeah, you know, you look back at you, – you mentioned the Stanford game and the Utah – the first half of the Utah game. And – what is the strength of this defense? What has it been for the, like the last 10 years and, right. and is the secondary? Yeah. What did Stanford do? What was their game plan? Oh, they took the secondary out. Out of the game. They just attacked the center and it worked and it was a great game plan. I mean, I, I give, um, what's the Stanford head coaches? Uh, David Brian Shaw. Shaw. David Shaw. Brian, who was Brian Shaw? Uh, he was a guard, and I think he's a coach now in That's the NBA. Lakers. Yes. That's right. Um, I give David Shaw a lot of crap a lot of times. Uh, his game plan for the Washington game was absolutely spot on. They, right. He absolutely did exactly what they needed to do. That was the only chance they had to win the game, and he, he hit it to perfection. Yeah, With that and- being said – this year is going to be a little bit different because of the size. I mean, Sam Taimani has really come into his own, and I'm really excited to watch those two uh, plug up the middle and, and, and 
I think they just needed a little bit of time. They needed a little bit more stamina. I mean, that was the best part about Anzarike, right? Was he was a big boy that clogged the center. Him and uh, your favorite player of all time. Great games. The Bulldog. Uh, they had the size and the strength, but they also had the stamina to do it an entire game, which is what we lacked last year. We had size and strength, but those, these young kids got gassed out early. And uh, I'm excited to see them. That's the whole point of strength and conditioning, right? So let's get right. them a little bit better conditioning and let's watch them do it for an entire game. Well, and that's, I mean, when you look at the plan, the only one of those guys that was supposed to be like a full-time starter to see like a real rotational player was going to be Sam Taimani. Yeah. Um, other than that, you're still San, uh, Jacob Bandis and uh, Fatu Tuatele, guys that showed flashes last year. Um, we're supposed to be spot rotational guys. Right. So, you know, as long as they're still on their trajectory of becoming – really good play it's hard to play in, in when you're 18 19 years old you're a freak if you can play early right because you're going up against 22 year old guys that have been in the weight room at a in a college for three right years. right yes and, th and those guys you know <clears throat> that's that's their job is to get big and strong and exactly. and you can do that early then you're obviously a freaking nature. you're in dominican sue and you're getting taken early right uh, I feel like Ryan Bowman is like the Kate Otten of the defense. I don't know if you feel that way, but he just does his job and he does it well. Um, I'm happy he's back. The dude has been consistent his entire career. He's We've never been doing been... the show for four years and every year we talk about how he's going to get taken over on the depth chart. I mean, he's not a Kate Otten because he wasn't really that much of a prospect. He was a walk-on right. who earned a scholarship, right. um, but he's so steady and, and really he's like, he's a guy that uh, he makes plays now, but the thing that is so important about Ryan Bowman is he makes the defense more complete. And, and the reason is you noticed when he was, when he was out. Yeah. And this is the first year I'm going to say that Ryan Bowman's got his, his spot on lockdown. <laughs> he's not, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. He's going to start all year as long as he stays healthy. Yeah. And he, you know what? He has a shot after this to go make uh go make a, a, a franchise. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. I mean, he's never going to be that guy, but no, but he can make he could he can earn a paycheck in the NFL either, yeah, either sure. as you know as a as a reserve guy or special, teams um, guy. special special teams or or even practice squad. They make a lot of money. They make more money yeah. than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where you know in the past that hasn't been the case, and you know rounding out the outside linebackers, Leatu Latu leaving that one, it was tough because he was really effective. Yeah. Um, but you have Savelle Smalls, who uh, obviously five-star kid, was getting into the backfield a lot last year. Going to have to work. I mean, obviously, he's really good at rushing the passer, uh, setting the edge on run plays and being a, a run stopper as well is going to be his next step. Yep. Um, but there's other guys, ZTF, another one who, who could be coming back. Um, Jordan Lolohea and Braylon Trice kind of make up the four that are going to be seeing a lot of the field. And yep. what I think you're going to see is um, Ryan Bowman out there for a lot. And then those other three guys uh, splitting that other, those other I think, reps. I think you missed Cooper McDonald. 
Sure. Yep. I think I think you could see him crack the rotation as well. He's gotten a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Man, when he came in as a as a high school senior, dude looked like a wide receiver. Right. He was so skinny. Um, he has gained a ton of weight and he looks the part and he's gotten a lot better. Um, I, this is the year I, I expect Savelle Smalls to make that, that jump from, okay, you look like a five-star athlete, you know, your, your build is awesome. You look like an athlete. We could tell you're an athlete. But now is the time that I expect him to get that football IQ to get him to the backfield, to start getting quarterback pressures, to start hitting the quarterback and uh, start making football plays. We, you and me talked about that with Joe Tryon three years ago, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like he looks like the guy. Uh, he has the ability to get to the quarterback uh but he needed to put it all together and we started to see that um his what was that his junior year yeah uh he started to put it all together and and that's kind of what i expect to see from Stabell this year yeah i would agree with you on that i think that's kind of the next step and uh if he makes that jump uh there's not much of a rotation outside of Bowman's ETF when he gets healthy. And, right. Uh, and, and, and Savelle has the potential to be oh, better sure. than ZTF than both of them. Yeah. I mean, his ceiling's sky high, right? His ceiling is a first round pick. Now, but he needs to put it together. Exactly. And <laughs> this is a second freshman year. So uh, right. he's got plenty of time to, to keep progressing. He, uh, the reality is for somebody like him where he was uh, rated and how he's come in, you could only see him for this year and next year, and he could be gone. Don't want to. No, I'm with you on that. <laughs> uh, going to the middle linebacker position, Edifon Ulufusio obviously has that lockdown. He's uh, a preseason All-American, um, just a, a tackling machine, a, a guy that you finally, you know uh, – Filling the BBK spot um, that year after Burkirvan left did not happen. Uh, right. And now having Ulufusio there, you just you put him in, in in Sharpie and you leave it. The other one's Jackson Sermon. We've seen flashes of, of really good play, uh, but there's some other guys this year. Uh, still one of my favorites is MJ Tafisi, um, who's just a lightning bolt. And then yeah. um, the other one, of course, who's, who's really – started to show how good he was and develop into a really good college football player is Daniel Haimuli. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've made it very clear that I've always been big on Daniel Haimuli. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't have the nickname, the hammer and right. me not be in love with you. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. Um, I, I really want to see somebody else other than Jackson Sermon. I've, I've not been shy about that. I think he's slow. I don't think he he just looks confused out there sometimes. Um, it seems to me like he gets taken he he gets chopped quite a bit, and I mm-hmm. think that kind of sends him backwards. Um, I'd really like to see. I mean, Tafisi would be. I mean, he's fast. Like you said, he's a lightning bolt. I like fast linebackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to see him get a, quite a bit of rotational in there. I, I that 
this is the only spot on the defense that makes me nervous is that second inside linebacker. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, that, you know, Jackson Sermon very well could be uh, earning the Ryan Bowman of the year award where after this year, he's <laughs> an integral part to it. But yeah. until we, until, you know, we see it consistently, there's other really talented players on that, on that defense uh, in that position that uh, could be really important for this team. Um, I think that outside, I mean, the defensive line, I feel more comfortable with than a lot of people. This is the position that if they play well, this defense is the top in the conference. Yeah. Um, And and then this one is by far the most, um, the most talented, but also it's so deep that, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that can see the field. Um, It starts with uh, the preseason all American and Trent McDuffie on the outside. Kyler Gordon has really put it together. He's the best athlete on the team. He's put it together on the other side. You have some other positional battles, but it looks like Buki, Bradley, uh, eh, Bradley, Riley Hiles uh, will be the nickel, but then behind him, you got Cav Cameron Fabushianen, who has played a lot of nickel as well. Um, and then a guy that we know pretty well here with Zakari Spears has shown some flashes of brilliance and Michelle Powell. And the, of course, those are the cornerbacks that uh, are have just been mentioned a lot in the tea leagues. Yeah, and I, and I think Jacoby Covington's taken strides towards getting there as well. I'm saving him for the safety. Got it. Uh, I don't, I, I don't see him being in a safety role as much as I see him being in a cornerback role. I could be wrong. Um, I've been wrong before, so. <laughs> nah. Nah. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I mean, this cornerback room has always been special, right? Right. It, this is, uh, they keep producing talent and, and, and I, I, it's not even that they're the highest ranked guys out there they just have the key to success with cornerbacks right you know trent mcduffie wasn't the dude coming out of high school he's a dude now you know yeah i mean he was he was a four-star guy um he was one of the only guys in that class i I do remember that yeah i mean kyler i feel like kyler gordon was a higher prospect than trent mcduffie and yeah, and Kyler, and, and I think part of that was it was it was the old Jimmy Lake versus Notre Dame, and yeah. when when Jimmy Lake, whoever Jimmy Lake wanted, and Notre Dame wanted, they were coming to Washington. Yeah, that was Asa Turner too. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't know what else to say about the the cornerback room. We missed guys that are also going to be, you know, looking at at some spots there as well. Um, uh, the, the room, the cupboard is full there and it's going to be full for years to come. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really feeling solid about that. The other, the other room, obviously in the secondary and, and I feel weird parsing them out because a lot of times, uh, they'll play, they'll play them anywhere, but that's safety. And there's two spots and there's about six guys that are all, yeah, fine for it. all deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it starts with kind of, um, I'll start with the upperclassmen. I'm, I'm not, I, he's not, I don't know if he's going to be the starter or not, but um, Alex Cook's been there for a long time. Um, played in some big games. Uh, he's another one of those, like the, the running backs that I think we've seen more of his ceiling. 
the, the guys that we haven't seen their ceiling yet is, is everybody else. Uh, Julius Irvin, Jacoby Cummington, wherever he decides to play. Um, Asa Turner and uh, Cam Williams. Williams. Yeah. Uh, all of those guys upside is NFL. Um, it's, it's putting them in the, in the best position to be successful in this season. And it's a win now situation. Yeah. Um, we've obviously seen a lot of Alex cook. We've seen a lot of Asa Turner and we've seen a quite a bit of Cam Williams as well. Uh, who's going to start in those games, Jake? Um, my best guess is just from, what we've seen in the past and kind of what we we've heard um, in the off season, my best guess is Cam Williams and, and Jacob Asa Turner. Uh, I think those two have the highest upside. I think those two have the best potential to play well together. Uh, the only thing I struggle with is Asa Turner has been said that he kind of shies away from contact. That's not really what you want out of your strong safety. And that's how, kind of how I see it lining up is Cam Williams being up over the top. Ace Turner kind of playing the center. Uh, man, it is hard to – I don't know. I mean, I could I could throw in Dom Hampton in there. You know, I, I could see him being a starter as well. I, for me, the hardest to predict the starters with. I like you said, there's six guys that probably deserve a start here. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And uh I think Cam Williams has made tremendous strides where when you last time you saw him play, he didn't really play at all last year. I don't know if he actually played at all. Um, but the year before that he made some spectacular plays, but you also took saw him took routes that were less than ideal. Um yeah. With that being said, I, I could see a rotation where the guys that you're seeing out there, I, I, you were right, uh, uh, Jacoby Covington, a cornerback. Um, uh, I'm thinking of help Julius me Irvin. So Julius Irvin, um, uh, Dom Hampton, and Cam Williams um, are, are going to be kind of the people who you see make the biggest uh, steps. So uh, the beauty is, is uh, we don't have to make the call. We just get to watch them play. I thank God for that. Cause yeah. I don't know who I'd start at safety. Right. Um, uh, special teams is, is pretty, it's the same as it was last year. Um, hopefully Peyton Henry goes back to that form he was in 2019 where he was automatic. Um, yeah. Race Porter coming back for another year. Uh, always a really good thing to have uh, an experienced punter who knows what he's doing and uh, has the athleticism to uh, do a little bit if uh, improvise if things go sideways. Yeah. All right. So, Jake, where do you think overall this Washington teams ends up at the end of the year? I see – I see Washington making the Pac-12 championship game. Um, I don't know who they play. I see them making the game. I don't see them. It's hard. I don't know if they're ready for a Rose Bowl yet against an upper echelon team. Um, let's say it's Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I don't see us playing them yet. I don't see us being ready for that. I think we're a year, maybe two out from being that 
team that's ready to take that that tier one um, program, you know. But I also I also see them being the best team in the North right now. Yeah, I do too. Um, I uh, looking at their schedule, uh, and, and this is not groundbreaking for me, but I don't see a ton of losses on here. Um, I, but picking somebody to go uh, without a loss in the Pac-12 um, is never a good thing. So I, I do think that they lose one or two games. Um, the, 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 the breaking news that I'm going to say is I think Oregon is a lot worse than people think they are. I think they have the, uh, the best PR team in the nation. And, uh, based on what I saw last year, uh, the guy who couldn't beat out the, the freshman quarterback is now their starter. Um, their defense got pushed around. Um, they couldn't beat Oregon state. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as good. And I don't see that necessary. I'm going to be really freaking stressed out during that game, but I still don't see, I, I still, I see Washington winning that game rather easily. Um, that being said, I think that there's at least one loss on the schedule that uh, is going to piss us off. Yeah. So uh, I think, year, year, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. gonna... I mean, and Washington, you know, even the, the really good Oregon teams had a Washington state problem. We have a Stanford problem, even when they're bad. Yeah. Um, UCLA scares me. I don't know if you saw the score last night. I've always been a US uh, UCLA guy since Chip got there. Um, Cal, Cal scares me. Cal, Cal absolutely scares Cal me. Cal early in the year is always a problem. Right. So um, I, I agree with you that I'm, I, I, if, if I had to bet, I would say 10 and 2 with the North Championship. And, uh, and then we'll see what happens in the, uh, I don't trust any Pac-12 South team to beat any North team. So uh, I guess we're the Northwest champs or the, the Pac-12 champs. Maybe. All right. So before we go, I want to get on my soapbox for just a second and talk recruiting. Uh, put two minutes on the clock speed round. Here we go. Okay. So people are freaking out about the, uh, the state of recruiting right now. Washington has lost some guys that, uh, really, we really hoped that Washington would end up landing, starting with those five-star guys um, and ending with losing uh, Ben Roberts recently to presumably Oregon. Uh, Sir Mel's another one that Washington has lost, just guys that have decommitted, which is different from what we've seen before. First thing I'd say is that's kind of the state of recruiting now. It's something that you don't love. You love it when people make their commitment and stick with it, and I understand it. Um, that being said, Washington is 75% freshmen and sophomores that uh, are absolutely high blue chip guys that are going to be developed into NFL players. Another thing you have to look at is when Washington offers, watch what Oregon does right after that. They usually offer him every time um, because this team knows how to spot talent and they know how to develop players. So it's annoying to look at the 247 sports and see them rank so low. It's not going to be that low, but even if it's not where you want it to be, where they're not competing with the USC's, the Oregon's, and, you know, even some of those other UCLA possibly, relax. This program knows how to develop, and they're going to get guys that fit their system uh, and let them prove you wrong. Um, you can be mad. I'm, I don't like it when they lose out of recruits that I think they should get, but the, it is not a state of emergency yet. 
um, when you see a three star, don't automatically freak out because there's a lot of really good three stars out there. There's a End lot of guys. Run. There's a lot of guys that have come to this program and gone to the NFL and have been super special as three star guys. Uh, obviously, you don't want to build your entire team around it, sure. but you know what? At this point, we just get what we get, and yeah. and you don't you don't need to you don't need to freak out. Yeah, it, you need to try. If they offer a kid, they think that they can develop it into an NFL player. Yes. I think that's that's kind of the way that you have to look at it. You can be mad when they lose out on a, a high-end high recruit that you think that you should have. I knew that JT Tudor-Malau wasn't coming, and, and I yeah, still yeah. watched hoping that I was wrong. And it yeah. obviously didn't happen, and it made me mad. Yeah. But trashing the recruits that are here, trashing recruits they get in a boat, and uh, being so upset with the coaching staff when you know the results they've had, give it a couple of years before we start calling for heads. Agreed. All right. Agreed. So there's our pick. We got the North champs here, hopefully Pac-12 champs, and we're going to go from there. Um, tune in later in the week. We'll have some more about the rest of the Pac-12, and then, of course, the Pac-12 picks, and it's game week, baby. Go dogs. Go dogs.